Very good. Turn, if you would, tonight to Hebrews. Hebrews 11 is where we're going to get eventually. It won't take a long time to get there, but Hebrews 11 is where we will get. If you'd like to just maybe put a marker there and go to Genesis, you can do that as well tonight. Genesis chapter 5. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the music that we've enjoyed tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, for the fellowship that we're able to enjoy. God, I pray that you'd bless now the effort to preach your word. God, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought. And God, that you'd help this to sink deep into our hearts and minds tonight, however it needs to. And Lord, that we would be changed because of our time here tonight. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I trust that most of you know that for the last couple of weeks we've been looking at the subject of faith as we've been in this study of Hebrews. And I want to remind us of this simply because I think we need a reminder. I'm not just trying to eat up time or waste a couple of moments here, but I want to remind us that for the life of the believer we are supposed to live by faith. The Scripture makes that very clear. So faith is not something we're supposed to use whenever it's convenient or whenever it's popular. But faith is supposed to guide us all throughout the days of our lives. And I know that we know this, but it's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? It is easy to lose faith. Sometimes it is easy to question our faith. Sometimes we, uh, we struggle and we want to have some visible evidence. We want to have something tangible in front of us that we can put our hands on so as to have the proof that we need. But that's not how faith works. And so we've got to remember that faith is difficult at times. It does require us. Uh, to believe in things sometimes that we can't see, maybe can't even explain. But it has to be a constant part of our lives, believing that God is who he says he is, that God's word is, is what it reveals to be in every area of life. That is what faith must be, and that is what faith should look like in our personal lives. That in mind, last week we watched as the writer of Hebrews began talking about uh, characters of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and what I said is often referred to as the hall of fame of faith and he began by talking about Abel who is referenced in Genesis of course who was the son of Adam and Eve and as the writer spoke of Abel he said this that he continued to speak though he was dead all right and so his testimony and his life's example was such that he lived a life of obedience, and though he had been dead, that example and that testimony continued to speak to those after him. And, and last week, I, I, I wanted us to consider this thought, that when we are gone, there will be those who knew us and knew of us, and our lives and our testimony will continue to speak to them. And I hope that it's our desire that when we speak from the grave, so to speak, that what we left by way of an example is a life of obedience to God's will. And I think so many times we're not really mindful of that like we ought to be, and so I hope that we are. And in visiting with someone this week, the statement was made basically of this nature. It feels like the testimony that I've tried to live has not been taken serious by those who have watched it and those who have observed it. And I want to remind us because I think maybe we could all use this reminder, that the last verse has not been written yet. And what I mean by that is this. They may not take the witness right now too serious. They may not take the testimony right now too serious. 
But we don't know what people will think and what people will remember when we're gone. So it may seem like we're spinning our wheels right now. It may seem like we're wasting our time right now. But I just want to remind us, we don't know what people will remember. But if we did not live a life of obedience, they will certainly remember that. All right? So that's what we talked about last week. Tonight we move on. Before we do, I want to talk about something for just a moment that I know I mentioned at some point in the past. I don't know how long it's been, and that's okay. But a couple of years ago, I believe it was, I was at a funeral. And you know what it's like when you're at a funeral. The preacher is standing before people. I was not the one doing the service. I was just there. And, and you know what it's like when you're at a funeral. The preacher is doing the message. He is talking about the one who is deceased. And, and there are many different things that are said about that individual. So this was a man that I had gone to uh, his funeral, and, and the preacher was talking about, of course, how he was a husband and he was a father and he was all these different things. And one of the things that he was was a, a business owner. And again, I know I've shared this with you before, but as I sat there and I listened to what the preacher was saying, I, I was so impressed with one of the statements that was made and how it, it, it kind of summarized this individual's life. But he was a business owner here in town, as I just said, and it was the testimony of those who worked with him that there were times where, where things had to be done and decisions had to be made. And, and there could certainly be some occasions where that business owner could do some things that would be in his best interest or in the interest of the company that he was over. And, and again, as the testimony was given, it was said of this man that on more than one occasion he made this statement, we will do what is honest and we will do what is fair. We will do what is honest and we will do what is fair. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I sat there and I listened to everything that was said about that man's life, and then that statement was made, we as a company are going to do what is fair and we are going to do what is honest, or we will do what is honest and we will do what is fair. Whenever that statement was made, I thought, you know what, that summarizes the character of that man fairly well. For his testimony from his employees to be that he said, we will do what is honest and we will do what is fair. I thought that's a pretty impressive way to have your ethics and your integrity summarized. And as I thought about that this week, I thought about this. You know this to be true. But sometimes the simplest of statements reveal much about an individual. You know that, right? The simplest of statements can say so much about an individual. And so that little statement said much about him, and so many other little statements can say so much about other people. And tonight, with that thought and that principle in mind, I want us tonight to think about the world that we live in. I know you know this, okay, and I don't want to bore us this evening, and I don't want to keep us here any longer than we need to be, but I want us to think about the world that we live in. I think most of you would agree that we live in a fairly ungodly culture, would you not? I think all of us would agree that we live in a culture that is somewhat rebellious to the authority of God 
in most people's lives. I, I think we live in a society and we live in a culture that, that is pretty much bent on this idea of doing things the way they want to do them and, and living for themselves and living for the pleasures of this world and, and really not regarding God in their everyday personal lives. Would, would you agree that that seems to be kind of the climate and the attitude of our culture today? Not a lot of warmth and not a lot of affection for God, for the things of God, for the authority of God in their lives. I, I think that's what it looks like. I know that we have these issues in our society and in our culture. We have these things called sin issues. Because of the rebellion, because of the desire to just do what we want to do and live how we want to live, it produces all these sin issues. I mean, we've got violence, we've got murder, we've got adultery, we've got fornication, so immorality of all sorts. We have bitterness, we have jealousy and envy, things that we talked about this morning. I mean, so many things that our society is dealing with by way of sin issues because of our nation or our culture's heart toward God. So as that is a part of our climate and as that is a part of our, our society, I think if we would be honest tonight, I think we would have to agree that what Solomon said was true is that there is nothing new under the sun. I know that things seem to cycle sometimes. I know that the spirit and the attitude of some may be more blatant and in your face than it used to be. But if we are honest, we would have to admit that every since or ever since we can remember, there have been people who have been rebellious toward God and His authority in their life. It's not as though there was ever a time that, that you could say collectively of the entire world, you know, we're really just a godly people. Because people have always been ungodly and people have always been rebellious to the authority of God in their lives. And they've always been bent on doing what they want to do and living how they want to live. And there has always been this issue called sin and how it's manifested itself in so many ways. And so as we understand that that's what our culture and our society looks like today, it's been that way forever since Adam and Eve first sinned. When Adam and Eve de defied the word of God in their life and they chose to rebel what God declared or to rebel against what God declared and they decided to eat of the fruit, that is what opened up the door to everything that society faces today. And so I say all that for this reason. Whenever we're reading in Genesis chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 5 and, and we're considering some Old Testament saints and some Old Testament men and women of faith, we've got to remember that they lived in a world very similar to ours. I know that they didn't have the technology. I know they didn't have the advances that we enjoy today. But by way of sin and rebellion and disobedience and, and defiance to God, they lived in a world very similar to ours. So it's not as though you and I could look back at the Old Testament to men and women who are referenced in this Hall of Fame and Faith, Hall of Fame of Faith, and say something like this, well, sure, it was easy for them. Because it wasn't. They dealt with the same issues that we deal with today. It would have looked different, but they dealt with them. And they had to live amongst it. 
and they had to function in it. And so tonight we're going to look at the testimony of a man named Enoch. You may pronounce it Enoch. I'm going to say Enoch, okay? A man by the name of Enoch. If I had to guess tonight, if I were to say to you this evening, tell me what you know of Enoch, I think most of you, if you could come up with anything, you would say, isn't he the guy that didn't die? And the answer would be yes. He is the man in the Scripture who did not die. We'll look at that in a couple of moments. But past that, here is what we would realize rather quickly, that there's not a whole lot said of Enoch in the Scripture. If you look in the book of Jude, in verse number 14, he is mentioned as one who prophesied on behalf of God. And so that will tell us a little bit about Enoch and what his character was and what his heart was and, and, and his spirit that he could be used by God to prophesy on his behalf. But really outside of Jude, verse number 14, you only read of him in Genesis chapter 5. And what you learn in Genesis chapter 5 in verse number 18 is this, is that, And Jared lived in hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch, or Enoch. So here is what I would say to us tonight. Here is a fun little fact about Enoch. His dad's name was Jared. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you're sitting there going, okay, so what? Who cares? And that's right, because really, for these men who lived thousands of years ago, I'm not overly concerned with who Enoch's father was, that being Jared, or when Jared had him, or how old he was when Enoch was born. But nonetheless, you read in verse number 18 that Jared was his father. You read in verse number 19, and Jared lived after he begat Enoch. 18, or, or sorry, 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years and he died. Now, that's kind of interesting. Wow, you had a dad that was old. 962 years, whatever. Now, it says in verse number 21, kind of another little fun fact. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. So at age 65, Enoch had his son by the name of Methuselah, and most of us would know who Methuselah is. He is the one who lived the longest of anyone recorded in the Scripture. It says in verse number 26 that Methuselah, uh, or I'm sorry, verse number 27, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Okay, so you following this? Not real fascinating, just... Okay, here's Enoch, and your dad's name was Jared. He lived to be 962. You had a son named Methuselah. He lived to 969 years of age. Okay. So notice in verse number 22. It says, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. Now notice what it says in verse number 24. It says this again. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Now no more than what is said of Enoch in all the counsel of Scripture. 
the hundreds and hundreds of chapters of Scripture, the thousands and thousands of verses in the Scripture, and where Enoch is mentioned, in Jude 14, he is mentioned as one who prophesied on behalf of God, and in two short verses about his life, of every little thing that we know about him, of every little thing that we could conjure up about him, here's what it says twice, that he walked with God. Now friends, I hope you see that that's a pretty amazing statement. Because he lived in a world that was filled with sin. He lived in a world that was defiant toward the authority of God. He lived in a world that was dealing with all the issues of sin, just like we're living in today. And it says twice in this short portion of Scripture related to Enoch, twice he walked with God. What does it mean to walk with God? You know what it means. It means this, to proceed or to traverse, but it also is a reference to a person's manner of life. Are we hearing this tonight? It is a reference to a person's manner of life. What the Scripture of, uh, uh, is saying to us of Enoch is this, is that in his personal walk, Enoch walked with God. He traversed with God, he proceeded with God, he moved with God, and as you looked at the manner of life, here is what it could be said of him. In a world that really had no regard for God in so many ways, here is a man who walks with God. It's a powerful testimony. It is a powerful statement on the character and the integrity and the godliness of this man that twice in Genesis chapter 5, it declares of Enoch, he walked with God. But more than that, go to our passage now in Hebrews. In Hebrews 11, verse number 5, it says this, By faith, by faith. Through faith, because of his faith, Enoch was translated. What does it mean for one to be translated? It means this, for them to be transferred or to be transposed or to be relocated. All right, so we understand what's being said here. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Enoch did not have to experience death. We understand that. And it says in verse number 5, and was not found because God had translated him. You understand what that's implying? It's implying that one day Enoch was and the next day Enoch was not. And there were people who looked for him and people never found him. Because God had taken him and had translated him or transposed him into heaven without seeing death. Now, as it says there in verse number 5 of those things related to his translation, it says... For before his translation, he had this testimony. He had this testimony. What does it mean to have a testimony? It means this, to have something witnessed of you or to have this declared of you. It's kind of like the preacher who was standing there talking about that business owner whose funeral I attended. Okay, this man in the casket, he had that testimony, he had that witness. Well, what the Scripture is saying of Enoch is this, is that he too had a testimony. 
There was a witness that was given of Enoch and who he was in the sinful world that he lived in. And notice what it says. It says the testimony was this, that he pleased God. That he pleased God. So what does it mean to please someone? It means to be a source of pride or something that you would delight in. It would be a source of pride or something that you would take delight in. So here is Enoch, and he has this testimony. He has this witness spoken of him that his life pleased God, that his life was a source of pride or a source of delight to God. Now, we don't know what all could be said of Enoch. I've basically told you everything I know about him. Who his father was, who one of his sons were, how Enoch left this life. But here is what the scripture says of him. He walked with God and he pleased God. Now that's not a whole lot, but yet it says so much. If somebody were to say to me tonight, tell me everything you know about Enoch, I don't know a lot. But what I do know is this, he walked with God and he pleased God. He pleased God because he walked with God. He walked with God because he probably wanted to please God. And so to have his life summarized in this manner, that because of his faith, Enoch was translated. He did not see death. Before the translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I thought to myself about Enoch like I did the businessman whose funeral I attended. I thought... What an incredible way to have your life summarized. Walking with God and pleasing God because of your faith. As I thought about that, I just had a few thoughts crossed my mind that I want to give you tonight. We're not going to be here very long, I promise you. We're just going to be here for a couple of moments, so just follow this, okay? I thought to myself, what are some of the fun facts about me? And boy, are they fun. Just like your life, right? I mean, if somebody just kind of casually knew me, what would they know of me? Well, they might know who my parents are. They might know who I'm married to. They might know the children that I've been blessed with. They may know the pastor I ch- uh, the church that I pastor. They may know a few more other things about me. But that stuff doesn't really matter, does it? I mean as as I go through this life, those are things about me that are true. But that's not how I want my life summarized. 
As I go through this life, I don't want to just be known as the son of, or the husband of, or the dad of, or the pastor of. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if someone had to summarize my life in just a couple of moments, with just a couple of statements, how wonderful would it be if someone said, you know what, I don't know a lot about Kyle, but what I know of him is this. He walks with God. And from what I can tell, everything I know about him, he lives in such a way that he pleases God. Could there really be anything better than that said about us? That because of our faith, we walked with God and we pleased God? I don't know. I know I mentioned this last week. I don't know how much we think about these things. I don't know how much we, we dwell upon these things. But, I mean, think about this for just a moment. What more would you want said of you if people only casually knew you? So they know who you're the son or the daughter of, the spouse of, the parent of, the, the employee of. So they know these things about you. That's okay. But what better thing could be said of you than that you walk with God and that you please Him? I don't know how much we think about this. But I think sometimes we don't think about it enough. That we want our testimony to just be this, that in a world that is rebellious to God's authority, that in a world that is bent on doing their own thing, in a world that has sin that abounds and all the issues that come with it, I wonder how many of us think that though we live in this world, that is the testimony I want to have, something like that, that I just walked with God, that I just pleased Him, so that whenever I go to work, the people who just kind of vaguely know me, what they know of me is that I am a serious, dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. That my family, who, who doesn't really know me, I mean, yeah, they know me, but they don't really know me. I wonder how many times we, we think to ourselves, if there's nothing else that they really know about me, do they know that I truly, genuinely, sincerely want to walk with God and serve Him and live a life that is pleasing to Him? I think sometimes we don't think about it. I think sometimes it's not a part of our thought process. And there are so many other things that have our attention. And I understand that it has to have our attention at times. But, but what would we want said of us? Again, there's nothing greater that could be said of us than that we walked with God and that we pleased Him because that would summarize that we tried to live this life by faith. But I think here's what happens also. Not only do we not think about what we'd like to be known as, what we'd like our testimony to be. But I think sometimes we let the sin of this world be our excuse for why we're not what we're supposed to be in our walk with God. I think sometimes we look at this world that we live in and how filled with sin that it is and all the problems that it has. And I think sometimes we, we just 
don't expect ourselves to live too much different than the world that we're a part of. We don't expect to live differently. We don't expect to act differently. We don't expect to talk differently. And we don't really expect ourselves to be that different because, well, this is the world we live in and this is just the way you have to function and this is the way we have to operate. And that's not true. We can be men and women of faith and we can be men and women who choose to walk with God. Be men and women who try to please God, to be that source of delight, to be that source of pleasure, to be that source of pride, that God could look at us and say, you know, his testimony and his witness is this, is that he pleases me. Again, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what your desire is. I don't know what your wants in life are. I, I don't know. I don't know how often we think about it, how often we dwell upon it. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, we ought to want to walk with God. Our manner of life, how we live, how we function, we ought to want to walk with God. And we ought to want to live a life that is pleasing to Him. I ask you tonight, if someone had to summarize your life, though it may be worded a little bit different, could someone say of us, the witness and the testimony is he feared the Lord or he walked with God and he pleased him? Friends, if we're not thinking about that on a regular basis, if we're not thinking about that probably on a daily basis, I think more times than not, here's what will happen. We'll get sucked into the things of this world. We'll not live for the Lord like we ought and we'll not have the witness or the testimony that we think we'd like to have. I'm just asking you if, you, if you had to guess, what's your testimony look like right now? What's the witness look like? Because we have to live deliberately if we want to have a testimony that says we walked with God and we pleased Him. All right? Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, I I know that it's possibly not the desire of everyone to really walk with you, and it's probably not the desire of everyone in our church to please you. But Lord, it may be that most of us would say, well, that is what we want. We just don't think about it as often as we should. And God, when we don't think about it as often as we should, we do get wrapped up into the things of this world and the affairs of this world. And we don't walk with you like we should, and we don't please you like we ought. And Lord, there's no doubt that there are some in this room, and they're mindful of it on a regular basis. They're mindful of it on a daily basis. They do want to walk with you, and they do want to please you. So God, I don't know where each individual is at. I don't know what each person is dealing with right now, but I pray that you'd help all of us to care about our testimony, to care about our witness, and to have a desire that if nothing else, if someone summarized our life with just a couple of sentences, 
I pray that we would have a desire to have it said of us that we walked with you and that we pleased you and all that we did and all that we said in the years that you gave us. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.